Hello folks and welcome to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. My name is Graham Stevens and I really hope that I can bring a smile to your face. Hello there and welcome back. This week we start with an episode of I'm sorry I'll read that again. This episode is entitled England, Our England. Next programme will follow in approximately 30 minutes. So until then, here is an interlude. This is I'm Sorry, I'll Read That Again, a half-hour interlude specially written to fill this gap, featuring a special team of BBC gap fillers. Schmertot Yak Proxil. Again is our friend Franksel, and of course, Colchas, Fafnir, and S Plus 2 with this week's lesson. Schmutatjak Proxel. This week, Colchas and Fafnir are in a restaurant. See if you can understand what they are saying. Today, Fafnir and I are in a restaurant. <laughs> Did you understand that? Good. Now listen to what they are saying. Schmertot eat Helg. Schmertot eat Flaschdieschelbog. Schmertot eat Helga. Schmertot eat Flaschdieschelbog. Are you noticing how Fafnir adds an L sound to every word he says? That is because he has a speech impediment. <laughs> Let's listen. They are deciding on dessert. Schmertotti trudelplash. Carrot schmertotti trudelplash. Abklaftischmöckschlagonfarawek ice cream. Abklaftischmöckschlagonfarawek ice cream. Did you notice that word abklaftischmöckschlagonfarawek? Yes, it means with. <laughs> In Proxel, the word with is a compactive, multidiplastic, reversible preposition which alters simultaneously with the case, tense, number, gender, blood type, and barometric pressure <laughs> of the preceding and succeeding nouns. Just as the word for of, our old friend, propsnagdaloop. Propsnagdaloop. Remember? Turns back to front when you are talking to your mother and inside out when you're beaten up by the secret police. For example, if I were to say that I was going with Fafnir to the cinema, I would say, Yazu Schmeltetrask Yelk Abluvum Fafnir Woak Cinema. But if Fafnir were to say that he was going with Gorchas to the cinema, he would say, Yazu Schmeltetrask Lumatkaf Yegel, my fair lady, Abklaf Tismatch Lagonfarawak nudes in the snow. LAUGHTER 
Jim, of course, is up, Clark. No, nudes in the snow. <laughs> but here comes Elstplast, just back from national service. Elstplast is wearing a false beard because he can't afford a real one. <laughs> in Proxel, that is a very popular joke. <laughs> in fact, it's the only joke. How gaily he sings and strums. It's time for our song. Wouldn't you like to join in? And remember, it's Garod, not Quadmort, because we're all from different villages in Proxel. Gorchus, Fafnir, Elstplas, and me, Pranskultroschkult, wishing you good night until next week when. Schmertat jagt Proxel. Charlie, fancy meeting you. How are you then, eh? Oh, very well, thanks, Fred. Very well. When you consider everyone else. What are you doing here in Whitehall then, Fred? Here in Whitehall? Ha, 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 ha. You'll never believe this, you won't. I'm waiting here for a herd of bison. Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, is that all, oh? Well, your word's good enough for me, Fred. But don't you want to know why? No. I'll tell you. <laughs> I met this insurance bloke, see, and I, Charlie, have insured myself with a sun and moon mutual for 50,000 quid against getting run over by a herd of bison in Whitehall. Only in Whitehall? Whitehall only. So here I am in Whitehall waiting. Well, not Kew Gardens or anywhere? No, Whitehall. So here I am waiting. For a herd of bison? That's right, Charlie. I feel... I feel covered, Charlie, you know. Oh, yes, but, but I'm a realist, friend. Hey, you know my friend Lofty? No. They offered him a policy for his missus. They said that if she lost the third finger of her left hand in the sandwich machine, and it was never recovered on account of her being in all those sandwiches, see? Oh, yeah. They would, re they would replace her wedding ring free of charge. Oh. <laughs> well, I'd tell them what to do with that. Ah, 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 that's just what Lofty did. Raised his two fingers in scorn, he did. Oh, quite right. Yeah. Ah, but no. You know how tall he is. With his fingers up in the air like that, he just touched the tramways and... <laughs> that's right. That's right. His fingers just melted, just like that. Was he insured himself, then? Of course he was. And they paid up? No. Uh, act of God, they said, him being so tall, so they didn't have to pay. <laughs> typical, Fred. Typical. But there's no small print on my policy, Charlie, I'll tell you no. that. Hmm. What's that noise, Fred? Charlie. It sounds like the beat of many hooves. I'm a realist, Fred, but it does, it does. Charlie, do you think, could it be? At last. There's something coming down white all, all right. Yeah, look, they knocked over the statue of Haig. It's animals, all right. Here they come, Charlie. It is. It's bison's. Come away, Fred. Come away, Fred. You're a fool. You don't want to die. Leave me, Charlie. I will stand here in the middle of the road. This is fate. No, it's madness. Madness. The policy, the policy. I'll stand on this zebra crossing to prove I'm in the right. I'm a realist. I'll get this metropolitan horse trough when it's safe. Here they come, then. Hey, hey, here, boys. Here. Goodbye, Fred. But then I'm insured. I'm insured. So 
so-and-sos. When I get another chance like that? All turned aside and went for that horse trough, smelt water over the <laughs> Hey, Charlie. Charlie? Oh, poor old boy, and he wasn't even... Wait. <laughs> my foot, it's crushed. I'm incapacitated, I am. Here, copper, look at my foot, will you? That's a nasty mess, sir. Really nasty, really nasty. Look yeah, at it, it's really, really nasty. Really nasty. nasty uh-huh. yes. Witness it, would you? Yes. That herd of bison, did it? That's how it happened. Bison, sir? Bison? I saw no bison. No bison? Then what was that that just came thundering past, straight up Whitehall? Lord love you, sir. They weren't bison. Them was buffaloes. <laughs> Sweetheart has gone on a journey. She's going so far away. So many troubles could befall her. So please hear me when I pray. It rains on my baby. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't let her get damp today. If she does, when she's old, she'll get covered with mold. And then she'll start rotting away. Hey, don't let it snow on my honey. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't let it be icy weather. Oh, no. She can cover her knees with her best antifreeze. But still, they'll get frozen together. snow, cause then I think that my little darling would shrink. Ah, don't let the sun shine on my gown. Oh, no, 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 don't let the sun try to dry her. journey. Don't make my mistake and let her go out there exposed to the elements. Oh, no, 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 no. Just wrap her in a brown paper parcel and send her by post just to show you really care. Oh, yes. Till then, won't you hear my prayer? Don't let it Does let the stones be small And try to miss her when you let them fall And be so most of all Don't let it rain 
This evening, we bring you a story of man's beginning. A story which will grip and excite you as we draw back the shroud enveloping prehistory's primeval savagery. In a dark, fertile pool, warmed by the newborn earth, the first amoeba quickened into life. Thank you. Then Darwin evolved and invented evolution. This culminated, as we know, in man's crowning achievement. Man. Man standing erect and proud. Oh, let's sit down, cause my, 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 my legs ache. It's all this standing erect and proud that does it, isn't it? Mm. Oh, it's our vast brains weighing us down. Ah. You're yeah. yeah, talking of brains, thingy. Yes? Have you ever looked at a pterodactyl flying about huh? and had a good old wonder? No, no, no. I'm not much of a one for wondering, you know. I mean, you've seen one pterodactyl. You've seen them all, haven't you, really? Yeah, that's your trouble, thingy. You're not wonderful enough. You I mean, I mean, when you see a pterodactyl flying about, don't you ever think about them? Oh, yes, yes, I think. I think when their wings get tired, they're going to fall out of the sky and hit their heads, aren't they? Mm. Granted. Mm-hmm. But think of the easy way they get about. Now, there's us down here, waddling about on our little airy legs. But they just flap their wings and they're off. Flappity flap. Flappity flap. Flappity flap. Flappity Makes you feel such a fool, doesn't it? Does it? Anyway, I'll tell you something. I am going to fly, too. No. I shall jump off a cliff, flap my arms and away. Flappity flap? Yeah. Scares you, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not me that's jumping. (laughs) Well, I'm going to. I shall soar up into the sky and make you look pretty silly. (laughs) Then again, I might crash onto the rocks below and knock my belly off. (laughs) That'd make me look pretty silly, wouldn't it? Now, come on, just be natural and jump off this cliff, will you? <laughs> no, no, no. If you be natural, I'll just sit here and count me fleas. <laughs> Look, if we could fly, thingy, you'd be able to drop things on your mother-in-law. Right, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, now, here's a good place to jump from. We are not jumping off a molehill. <laughs> we are jumping off this cliff. Oh, with that river there? It's all right. Now, when I say jump, we jump, right? Now, keep calm and flap your arms. Flappity flap. <laughs> now, I'll give you a countdown. Do you know any numbers? Uh, one. Uh, one. Right. One to be ready, one to be steady, and one to be off. Flappity flap. Hey, it works. It's good, isn't it? Very rewarding. Mind you, we're only flying downwards, aren't we? True, true. Still, it's a start, isn't it? Now, about learning to swim. Well, if it isn't you, David. Well, if it isn't you, Tim. Well, if it isn't either of us, then we're wasting our time for <laughs> Oh, here comes Graham. Zippity doo dah, Graham. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was undone. <laughs> Graham, what are you doing here? Well, this is the place I usually meet that filthy old busker. Yes, sir, yes, Ah, there yes, he is. Now, yes. now, just watch this. He'll give us a song if we hit him hard enough. <laughs> hey, I'm not singing today, sir. 
You're not. No, 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 no. I'm waiting for a London bus. What, a London bus? bus? Yes, a London bus. But we're all waiting for a London bus. Is that better than the railways? Sure. There aren't any railways anymore. Busker, there's one thing I don't know. Yes, David. Where does this bus go? What, the London bus? Yeah, yeah the, the London, London bus. Oh, well, the London bus, you go to Acton Town. All God's children on the London bus. Where well, you got to stand up when you want to sit down? Hallelujah on the London bus. Well, only me. see that land again <laughs> of the desert sun and the jungle rain where the wombats play in the yam yam tree <laughs> and the bung young plants wind up your knee <laughs> tis my own dear land I long to see England <laughs> land of song where the leprechauns dance to the skirl of the pipes Oh, England, oh, 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 anyway. <laughs> if you board a number 23 bus from the whipping post in Aberystwyth and offer the conductor threepence, you'll probably get booted down the stairs. <laughs> but a small bribe and an hour's walk will bring you within 100, 150 miles of the tiny village of Nibbling on the Bone. <laughs> Crawl with me across the heath and moorland, quiet and deserted, save for a couple of thousand caravans and a holiday camp. <laughs> and we descend into this inconspicuous little village, nestling 200 feet below sea level, literally. 
The valley was flooded nine years ago to provide a drinking trough for Lord Clumpwit's cart horses. Now, has this affected the people of Nibbling or not? I went down in our outside broadcast submarine to talk to some of the villagers. Here I am, floating over the village churchyard, and I've just moored my microphone on the church steeple. Below me, life seems to go on relatively unchanged. The villagers are swimming up and down the main street, carrying their newspaper, shopping bags, and 300-weight oxygen tanks. It's, a, it's amazing how nature finds a way to deal with problems like this. I'm, I'm just going to turn over this stone and see if there's anyone underneath. Do you mind? I'm sorry to disturb you. I wonder, could you tell us, do you think you've changed in any way to adapt to underwater life? No, not at all, not at all. Now, I don't wish to contradict you, but I do notice you're wearing a pair of yellow gloves. Yes, yes. And two pairs of red gloves and one pair of brown gloves. Yes, well, it gets cold down here. Yes, well, that's four pairs, which means you've got eight arms. Thank the Lord, yes. Well, I've only got two. Oh, I am sorry. <laughs> How did it happen? I was born that way. Oh, nature is sometimes cruel. <laughs> Indeed. Tell me, in what trade do you employ your eight arms? I'm a beat group. <laughs> and, and in my spare time, I also repair broken electric lights. And do you do that successfully? Well, you know the saying, many hands make light work. <laughs> So I shook him warmly by the tentacle and came up for air and I continued my journey northwards by hovercraft and wheelchair to Scotland where I visited picturesque Loch Jaw. <laughs> Here where the cabers still grow in the ground, gaily bedecked with leaves and branches, I hailed a passing stranger who picked up a handful of pebbles and hailed me back. <laughs> I could tell from the hairy knees it was the famous Mrs. Killjoy. She had a flaming red beard which I put out with a bucket of water. <laughs> Mrs. Killjoy is a mother of ten. Now, isn't that rather young to be a mother? Well, actually, it's an exaggeration. Yes? I'm really only eight. <laughs> I see. Well, Mrs. Killjoy, can you tell us what you're doing here? Ah, yes. What indeed? I often ask myself, what indeed? Why did the Lord put me on this earth? All of us, you, me, there must be a purpose. What is the eternal mystery of life? And why am I here? Why did the good Lord put me here? What am I doing on no, this earth? No, tell no, me, no, tell me, why, why, no, why? No, I'll, I'll rephrase the question. <laughs> Can you tell us here your what doing? <laughs> Oh, uh, what's wrong with them? They've got... They've got tonsillitis. Mrs. Kiljoy, forgive me for being personal, but what's that in your buttonhole? A button? No, no, no. <laughs> the other one. Oh, that... Well, you see, it's Scott's Pine Day. We celebrate this day any foggy third Sunday in July every 2,000 years, if it's late year. <laughs> and why Scott's Pine Day? Well, exactly 283 years ago, come next Easter, Robbie Burns... Not the Robbie Burns. No, oh. Mr. Robbie Burns burnt the cakes and with them Bunny Prince Charlie's recipe for royal haggis, which is Scotland's favourite dish. You must have all been very upset. Indeed, that's why the Scots... 
Poseidon. I see. <laughs> and so for seven and a half years, I joined the villagers at their merrymaking, and I experienced their quaint old customs. Good afternoon, sir. Have you anything to declare? <laughs> I also met one of the elders, Mr. Berry, and took a pagan rite. But I countered with a vicious uppercut to his chin, which made Elder Berry whine. <laughs> Afterwards, I went to a sheepdog trial. He got six months for molesting sheep. <laughs> Next week, I shall be visiting Donny Gall and telling you more about England, our... England. This recording of I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again, an interlude designed on the spur of the moment to fill this gap, was written by John Esmond and Bob Larby, Clive James, Bill Oddy, Peter Vincent and David McKellar. The parts were played as follows. Herod the Great, Timbrook Taylor. Herod the Small, Graham Garden. Aphrodite, David Hatch. Salome, Joe Kendall. We'll draw a veil over that. And a plague of boils, Bill Oddy. That boil go far. The songs were specially written by Bill Oddy with Timbrook Taylor, and the music was provided by Dave Lee. I'm sorry I'll read that again is produced by Humphrey Barclay. You are listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was an episode of, of I'm Sorry I'll Read That Again, entitled England, Our England. Now here are the goons with Under Two Floorboards. This is the BBC Home Service. Is there no relief? <laughs> Listeners, this is smiling Wallace Greenslade speaking to you. Here's good news. From time to time during the next half hour, I'll be appearing. Hope you like me, kids. If, however, you're determined to hear the rest of it, get well soon. <laughs> you overpaid words, Strangler. Ladies and gentlemen, he was about to apologize for the highly esteemed Goon Show! <laughs> High Towers with its great ivy-covered windows relieved by mullioned walls. This was the ancestral home of Lady Seagoon. One butler, two cooks, three maids, six gardeners, eight horses, 14 cows, seven pigs, and Ned Seagoon. Yes, I am the Honorable Neddy Seagoon, eldest son. We'd all been to the university. I took law, while my brothers took medicine. We were ill. Oh! <laughs> It was the year 1908. We had just come down from Balliol's school, Cambridge. Well, it was pleasant to be home, and I walked around the even lawns, pausing only to smooth down the places where my brother had buried a bone. <laughs> then I noticed my uncle, Grit Pipe Thin, 
He was idly climbing out of a hammock, which hung easily between my two brothers. Ah, <laughs> oh, nephew Neddy. Looking forward to the ball tonight? Oh, yes, sir. Good. My mother will be wearing the blue shower necklace worth a king's ransom. Been in the family 300 years. She's kept remarkably well. <laughs> no, no, no. The blue shower. Yes. Uh, Neddy, <laughs> I have a little present for you. Oh, thank you, Uncle. You're always giving me presents. First a christening mug, and now this. <laughs> it's a book. <laughs> a book? Oh, yes. I've seen one of these before. Wait. <laughs> I think I've read this. What's it called? Ten and Six Net. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've read this. I've read the sequel, too. Twelve and Six Net. I wonder if it would be wiser to draw pictures for him. It's called Beaugest Neddy. Lovely. I'll read it tomorrow. No, no, no. You must read it all before the ball tonight. Oh, and here's a bookmark. I say, that's rather novel. It's a single ticket to Marseille. <laughs> well done. I say, <laughs> you're quite sure your mother is wearing the blue shower tonight? Of course. Read. Beaugest. What a wonderful book. During the next five minutes, I read it again and again. On the last page with a note from Uncle, it read... Pass it on to your brothers. I've given them both bookmarks. What a kind man Uncle was. I pass it on. Oh, look. Look what Nerdy's given us. <laughs> Just put some wheels on it, then we can pull it round. <laughs> so enters Honorable Blibottle, the third son. I like this rich game. Thinks. I'm a happy girl, lucky lad. Signals butler to wipe my nose. <laughs> There is a book. Yes, go and read it, a little blue bottle echoes. I like it when you read to me, you know, Dad. <laughs> Sits in listening pose so as not to miss dinner gong. Right. It's, um, let me see. It's called, um, Boo Gosh. Or no? Boo. What? Boo Gusty. Shall I draw pussy cat? <laughs> no, go and read it, echoes. It was just getting interesting. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, it starts off. What did it say? Once you're, you're born, I, ta, I, time. Time. That's it. I knew it was a W. <laughs> Enjoying it? Yeah. It's a funny book. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny book. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> funny book. <laughs> Perhaps I read it wrongly. After all, both my brothers held university degrees. <clears throat> Do you mind if I listen while you read? Well, um, okay, yeah. Um, see now. Then the big giant walked over the hill with a big club in each hand. Where's that? There. Eh? It says the garden was bathed in the cold light of an August moon. Shall I draw a pussycat? <laughs> Look, I'll read it for you. Once upon a time, there were three brothers. Right, oh, yeah. Ah. Nephew Neddy. Enjoying the ball? Immensely. I've danced every dance. Oh? Who's the lucky girl? I don't bother with them. I'm much better on my own. <laughs> Charming. 
By the way, did you read Bergerst? Oh, yes, about the three brothers who, having come down from Balliol's school, attended a ball where their mother's diamond was stolen and, rather than sneak on each other, joined the foreign nation. <laughs> right lot of Charlies. I mean, um, <laughs> noble lads. You know, Uncle, that's the sort of thing I do. Honorary temples and gratis. Up the school. Last one in and ten runs to get. Boots, 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 boots. Tramping all than Africa. There's no discharge here at all. You silly, twisted boy. <laughs> By the way, have you got the ticket to Marseille? I mean, the uh, bookmark. Yes. Nadine! Yes, Mother? Come into my room. Okay. Now, which one of you three layabouts has it? He was all right at the addition. <laughs> the blue shower necklace has been pinched. Just like the book. Oh, has that been pinched too? If that necklace isn't back by tomorrow, I'll send for the police. At the mention of the police, we all went white. Get me a mirror. <laughs> Mother, you... I don't want to know. Come on, off you go to your rooms. You've got until tomorrow. <laughs> to think that the blue shower had cost me only ten and six net. Oh, yes. And three novel bookmarks. So far, so good. I'm only a strong So good. Ah, oh, here we are, little Neddy's room. Neddie, Oh, Neddie, it's your rich uncle. Ned, Oh, splendid lad, he's gone. And a farewell note to his mother. How charming. The devilish cunning of it all. <laughs> and that isn't all. Geldre, play Neddie's journey to Marseille. <laughs>
haven't joined yet. <laughs> it has been a pleasant journey in a first-class railway coach marked H. Verks, Forty Arms, and Anne Charlie. <laughs> and now uh, here I was in the Legion Recruiting Centre at Marseille. I was just reading the second wall when the door opened. No! Moulin Rouge, Polybazier, and other naughty French words. <laughs> so you want to join the Legion, eh? I gazed at the Legion officer. His skin was burned fiery red by the hot Algerian brandy. <laughs> On his breast was a coloured ribbon from which dangled a penny. <laughs> we can't all have medals, you know. <laughs> now, lad, a few questions. Name? Ned Seagoon. Ned. S-E-A-G-O-O-O-N. Oui, mon capitaine. Oh, you're German. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm a true Britisher. Well, that's a novelty. You uh, speak French? Oui, mon capitaine. Je parle français comme un indigène. Well, you'll just have to learn it the same as I did. <laughs> now for the jackpot question. Have you any money or valuables on you? About five pounds? Oh, there'll be joy bells in the navy tonight. <laughs> Hand it over. Well, I mean, look, it'll on. be returned to you on your demob. <laughs> Off you go. First door on the left. This door? That's the one. Thank you. Listeners may well like to know how one can walk through a door in Marseille and appear in the thick of a battle in Africa. We're not giving all our secrets away. By Jove, we're not. You there, you with a size 53 nut. Be on the umbrella. So this was the famous legion. I drew myself to my full height and stared dead ahead at his belt. Tell me, mon petit bronze. Can you march? Only with my feet. Good! It's only 20 miles back to the port. I hope, for your sake, you will be able to keep up with us. We, mon capitaine. Keep up with him, indeed. <laughs> Did you not know that I was a Britisher? Legal! By the left! Boom! March! <laughs> alone in the African desert, without a compass or a guide. However, by carefully noting the position of the sun, I could tell it was still daytime. <laughs> but this, this heat was hot. I unbuttoned my overcoat. And just as I was about to cry, I saw two people approaching. Not going back home without having a paddle. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
listen, Henry, the man will want another thruppence for this deck here, buddy. Excuse me, I don't want a donkey ride. I don't intend to give you one. Young man, can you tell us where the sea is? I'm afraid not. You call yourself a lifeguard? I'm a lifeguard, I'm a legionnaire, and I've, I've lost the fort. Oh. When did you have it last? Yes. I asked him when he had it last minute. I, I, I thought he was a donkey man. No, no, no. Why don't you not get the donkey. Talking. You can't get the donkey. You can't get the donkey. I'm sorry to butt in. <laughs> but I have to find the fort. I'm a legionnaire, you know. A crack fighting force. Let them all come. He'll not pass on far. <laughs> and on me, Bob. Bonjour. I wonder if the, that young man could help us. I mean, to find Ned Seagull. We don't need to ask anybody, Min. We have his description. It's only a matter of keeping our eyes open. Yes. <laughs> We've only got to find a soldier wearing the blue shirt, Nicholas. Well, I never thought of that. And you call yourself a detective? I don't know, Minnie. But keep quiet, dear, if you'll break out in another rack. Ten days later. The weary figure of Ned Seagoon approached the fort. It wasn't ten days. It was three and a half weeks. At the risk of being volatile, I would like to inform listeners that according to the Radio Times, it was ten days. However, after Ned Seagoon's ordeal in the desert, we can forgive his inaccuracy. I should know, shouldn't I? I was here, wasn't I? It was three and a half weeks. Ah! A new recruit. Where have you been for the last ten days? And the Radio Times only costs threepence. Thank you. <laughs> Tell me now, listener. Look at the state you're in. Covered in sand. Where have you been? In the desert. Oh, lucky story. Factory Fred. We're being attacked. Up on the wall, men. If you want me, I'll be under the bed. Stop! Sir, there's only one of them. Is he unarmed? Yes. Right, men. Missed. <laughs> I say, keep still out there. These bullets cost money. Perhaps he has a message for us. Aves, blues, a mess wash for us. Please. I'm only a... It is my brother. Ankles, what are you doing dressed like an Arab? It's my foreign legion uniform. It's not. It's the uniform of the Arabs. Well, when I joined the foreign legion, they gave me this, closed the gates, and said, good luck. <laughs> I ran to let my brother in. It is good to see him again. Eccles, you've got tall. Oh, this isn't all me. Isn't it? No, I'm sitting on mother's shoulders. Oh, <laughs> Mother's shoulders. I couldn't get a camel. Neddy, my eldest boy. Mother. But, Mother, what are you doing here? 
This is a white man's grave. What's the matter with you, colorblind? <laughs> Madam, may I have the honor of hearing you play the music? But uh, with pleasure. Oh, naughty, naughty. Naughty, naughty, naughty. The naughty lady of Shady Lane has the town in the world. The naughty lady of Shady Lane, me oh my, what a girl. was peaceful and quiet before she came on the scene. The lady has started a riot, disturbing the suburban routine. The naughty, naughty lady of Shady Lane has the town in a whirl. The naughty lady of Shady Lane, me oh my, what a girl. She carries on with her admirers galore. She must be giving them quite a thrill the way they flock to her door. She throws those come hither glances at every Tom Dick and Joe. When offered some liquid refreshment, the lady never, never says no. The naughty lady of Shady Lane has the town in the world. The naughty lady of Beats her heart sweet and pure. She just needs someone to change her. Then she'll be nice as can be. If you're in the neighborhood, stranger, you're welcome to drop in and see. Yes, the naughty, naughty lady of Shady Lane has the town in the world. The naughty lady of Shady Lane, she's delectable, quite respectable. Is not a word of complaint passed my lips as I sat huddled in Eccles' pack. Ooh, have you been riding round in my pack? You don't mind, do you? You'd better not let mother know. Why? I've been riding round in hers. Oh, <laughs> good old Nita! Yeah, oh, well, by the way, Nettie, I saw the captain last week and he told me to tell you that he wants you to see him in his office right away. What? What did you tell me last week? Well, if I told you last week, you'd have forgotten by now. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Eccles. I'm only a week late. A week! 
Coming! I'm terribly sorry, sir, really I am, but I know I'm late, but it's my own fault. My brother told me last week and I forgot. I, I am completely to blame. I should have reported to you last week when my brother informed me, but it, it slipped my memory and the blame is entirely mine. Coming! It's all right, Mr. Paul, sir. Never mind now. I have a visitor to see you, sir. A visitor? First of all, how much is the blue shower necklace worth? About, uh, the king's ransom. All depends who the king is. <laughs> so, you are Neddy Seagoon. I have a visitor for you. On friends. Ah, nephew Nedem. Uncle Gritpot. Sacri nom du si, Christy Yakabakakas. Then it is true. You are this Charlie's uncle. I'm afraid so. Now, uh, Nedem, the necklace. I haven't got it, uncle. Search his neck. <laughs> oh, Nothing except a string of glass beads and a full-length portrait of his mother. Listen, Nedem. I took the blue shower necklace. At the ball, I hung up my jacket to do the mambo. And when I returned, the pocket containing the necklace was gone. What a dastardly trick. Who would want to rob you? But I didn't take it, honestly. I didn't. The pretty knuckles! Man the walls! The others are attacking! It was a terrible battle. The enemy hurled themselves upon us with swords, rifles, machine guns, and worst of all, 700 rock cakes. Then it came. The order to retreat. We didn't know it at the time, but this was one of the greatest retreats in the history of war. Back we went as far as Morocco. To the African coast, still fighting. The Mediterranean was littered with dows and dead sampans as we gamely retreated. Twice we had to buy ammunition from the Arabs. Days turned into weeks. Next, please. Anything to declare? Watch his clock. Finery. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, well, anything to declare? Um, oh, it's good to be alive. <laughs> yes. Pass along, please. Next. Thank you. Next. Oh, the thousands of them. All right, go straight through. <laughs> battle raged. Down the South End Road and up the Kilfoot Bypass. Meantime, in the ancestral home of Lady Seagoon, a lone figure lay in bed, idly dangling the blue shower necklace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a happy-go-lucky rich boy. Thinks. Now that everybody's in the Foreign Legion, I'm next in line for the title. <laughs> Stares at pimply reflection in the blue shower. And at the same time also thinks, here in the countryside I'm safe. It's the others who'll get the dreaded deading. <laughs> what is that noise that tickle little blue bottles ear holes? Sir, it appears that your brothers have returned home, and furthermore... Wait, you've got the blue shower. Stop! 
sorry, but you'll have to cease the battle now. I'm sorry, but this is our home, you know. <laughs> and once more, we've found the necklace. But the necklace is mine. Nay, 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 nay. Nay, nay, nay. Here you are, Blue Bottle. In return, here's a rock cake. Oh, thank you, Eccles. I like rock cakes, I do. I like them, yes. Think. I've never seen a rock cake with a pin in it before. <laughs> oh, well. I had a good long run this week. Stands to one side and pulls pin out. Lady Seagull. One butler, two cooks, four maids, and 842 Arab gardeners, six horses, and... Oh! Oh, I'm sorry, did I fall on you? <laughs> yes, you small, knobbly ham. Oh, you're smiling while he's greenslid, aren't you? That's right. Yes, you could I have a signed photograph of you? Because I like you on the wally. So do I. Have a toffee. Thank you. Because fancy you. You're bigger than I thought you were. Because uh, I'd like you on the wally. That was The Goon Show, a recorded program featuring Peter Sellers, Harry Seacombe and Spike Milligan with the Wellington Quartet and Max Gildrave. The orchestra was conducted by Wally Stott, script by Eric Sykes and Spike Milligan, announcer Wallace Beanslade, the program produced by Peter Eaton.
You have been listening to the Comedy Corner here on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. And that was an episode of The Goons entitled Under Two Floorboards. That's all for this week, folks. So until I speak to you again next week, this is Graham Stevens saying, keep smiling. We've got some off-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and Edda Push, and Trevor Francis track suits from a mush and shepherd's bush. Push, 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 push. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we've come prices at a straw. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.